The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. I am Joe. I'm your host every Tuesday evening right here on WNRI 99.9 on the FM dial 1380 AM. WNRI.com and Facebook Live. And you can also catch us on Anchor FM after the fact. Okay. I want to thank you for tuning in. We are in the uh, Christmas season, Advent. We started this past uh, Sunday, and I'm, of course, wearing my first week of wearing Christmas ties, my necktie. Um, you know, this is a fantastic time of year, a very blessed time of year. We're uh, very fortunate in this country for a number of reasons. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful personally for my health, for my wellness, my safety, and as well as that of my family and friends. Okay. I want to do a couple of quick shout-outs. Shout-outs to uh, my partner and friend, Don Morano, the Luca and Morano team, and uh, my colleagues at the office, Richard Tessier, Deb Houghton, uh, our boss and owner, Richard Zampa. Shout-out to him and uh, his wife, Jema. Uh, of course, I have a lot of other friends at the office as well. And one of the things we all have in common besides working at Remax is that we're all pretty passionate about what we do and we enjoy helping our clients buy and sell homes, whether it's a multifamily home, single family home or a condominium. And just to give you guys a little perspective on the most recent data that's available, okay, for home sales, all right, in October uh, the average price, median price for a multifamily home in Rhode Island was $380,000, okay? The average house, uh, was that house was on the market for 32 days, 32 days, and there were 360 multifamily homes on the market, okay? There were 486 pendings, all right? And distressed sales, only five Okay, only five. So that's a very, very small percentage of uh, all of the sales. The actual sold properties numbered 235. So if you do five homes out of 235, that's an extremely low percentage, okay? I mean, 5% would be about 11. So this is about, what, 2% of all of the sold multifamilies were distressed sales, okay? So... That's a good thing. The prices were up over the year before. So the year-over-year uh, year change in prices for the median sales price, so that's October of 21 compared to October of 20, prices this year were up 15%. 
All right. That's a little bit less than in September of this year, where prices were up 16%, 16.21. And in August, where prices were up 23.39% compared to August of 2020. So what if you look at this, take a step back, the rate of increases in prices is relenting. It's, it's diminishing. It's declining. Okay. So that's a good thing because the we, can, we can't sustain the crazy price increases that we uh, were experiencing before. Condominiums, similar, similar amount, 233 sold, and a whopping zero were distressed sales. All right, can't get any lower than that. Zero of the 233 condominiums that sold in the month of October, none of them were distressed sales. The average price, the median sales price was $270,000 which was uh, an increase of 9.76% over October of 2020. Um, and 270 was the same price as September, which was actually $1,000 less than the price in August. Okay, actually $1,800 less. So, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of a pattern here. Okay, the, um, the number of houses that Sold is down from September, 242 in September, 233 in October for condominiums sold. All right. Single family homes. Okay. This is where we have the biggest numbers. 973 single family homes sold in the state of Rhode Island. Of the 973, seven were distressed sales. Now, folks, if you haven't listened to the show, a distressed sale is a sale like a foreclosure. That's typically what it means. Okay. A foreclosure, an REO, real estate owned, all right, bank owned. Those are all different ways of referring to foreclosed properties. So of the 973 single-family homes that sold in the month of October, seven of them were foreclosures, distressed sales. Again, 1% would be 9.73. So it's less than 1% of the homes sold were foreclosures, Okay. The days on the market was up a little bit from September. Uh, the price, the median sales price for a single-family home in October was $377,500, which was 12.69% higher than 2020. In September, the prices were 13.27% higher than in 2020. And in August, the prices were 17% higher than in 2020. So again, what we're seeing is we're seeing a decline in the rate of increase. The amount of equity accumulation has been declining. We're still realizing accumulations of equity, but it's just relenting a little bit. Okay. A couple of day, extra days on the market. Uh, total listings getting a little bit tighter again. Okay, fewer people do put their houses on the market as the weather turns. In September, we had eighteen hundred listings, and in October, we had a little under sixteen hundred single-family homes listed. All right. Um, so you know the market is changing. You know rates have edged up a little bit, but it's still very. Healthy And the forecast, as we talked about last week, uh, for the houses that are coming out of forbearance, mortgage forbearance, uh, is going to be a small amount as well because a lot of those folks have equity in their home. So even if they have to sell them, it's not going to be a short sale. It's not going to be – it's unlikely to be a foreclosure because the houses are worth more 
than the mortgages because they've been going up at in double-digit clips. Okay? So if someone bought their house during COVID and had to sell it now, it's a good chance that they'd make 10 to 15% more. Okay? Most people hold their home, <clears throat> stay in their home for about four, four to six years. Okay? Single-family homes. So the market is still very strong. It is, as I've been saying for months, it is relenting. It is forecast by people that are smarter than yours truly. Uh, you know, chief economist at the National Association of Realtors and head economist at Realtor.com. They are forecasting also a slowing down in the rate of equity accumulation. Uh, and that is going to be... In large part, because interest rates are going up a little bit, but then also things, the inventory, the acquisitions are working themselves out, okay? We experienced an increase in inventory. A lot of folks were able to buy homes, um, but it's not as crazy now. The difference between the number of folks looking to buy homes and the number of homes on the sale, the inventory, it's not as disparate as it was, we don't have only a half a month of inventory today like we did back in May and June. Okay, Ideally, you want to get to six months of inventory. We're still very far away from that, but we're getting there. We're getting there. So all of the doomsdayers and the, the sky is falling, folks, uh, not yet, not yet. So tap the brakes. We don't, there's nothing that indicates that uh, something like that is going to happen. Okay. Um, so now what I want to do is talk a little bit more about just some questions that folks have uh, shared with me or have expressed to me. You know, one of the questions people have is, you know, they're older, okay, uh, I don't want to say senior citizens, but they're mature. You catch somebody who's in their 60s or 70s and they're still, look, people at that age are buying houses. We're selling lots of houses to folks in their 60s and 70s. And some folks, they own their home and they say, I, I'd like to refinance my mortgage, but I'm, gonna, I'm 70 years old. Is it wise to refinance my mortgage at this point in my life? Well, that's a very personal uh, decision. But one of the challenges that folks have when they're at retirement age, whether or not they can retire, is that, and my grandmother always said this, I'm on a fixed income. And it's true. If, you're, if you re rely on Social Security, it's really not going to increase any more than the rate of uh, inflation. Okay, So what you have to look at is, does it make sense to refinance now? Now, one of the questions that you would want to ask is, um, you know, why do you want to do it? Do you currently have a mortgage that if you're refinancing, theoretically you would? Um, how much of a difference... In your payment, is it going to be? Is the interest rate going to be substantially lower? Does it make sense to go from a 30-year to a 15-year term? Okay. Um, because obviously, if you go from a 30-year, let's say you, owe 20, you have 20 years left on your mortgage and you go to refinance to a 15-year, your payment is probably going to be higher. All right. Um, if you're at 70, 70 years old and you get a 30-year mortgage... You know, you're probably, that's optimistic. Some of us do live to be, you know, in that 100-year range, the centenarians. I'm blessed we have those in my family. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to make it, all right? Um, however, they cannot 
discriminate against you because you're 70 years old and it's unlikely you're going to live to the end of your um, mortgage, okay? Worst case scenario, you pass on many years before the, the end of the mortgage and the bank is still owed money. Well, in all likelihood, if your relatives, if the heirs didn't want to take over the home, the house could be sold and that would pay off the mortgage. Um, and if that was an impossibility for some reason, the house, the bank would just foreclose on the property and then they would get possession or ownership of the home and resell it. Okay. Um, so it's somewhat, it, it is a personal decision. You know, some folks are like, well, I want to refinance and take some cash out to support me in my, uh, you know, my older years. I want to take some cash out so I can pass money on to my kids tax-free or grandchildren. These are other realistic options, okay? Um, and, of course, when doing something like this, you should always consult a CPA and or your financial advisor, depending on your financial status, okay? Because everyone's situation is different. But there are a lot of different options out there. There's also something that's called a reverse mortgage, which is a very different product than a uh, conventional mortgage. All right, A conventional mortgage, which is amortized over the term of the loan. Every time you make a payment, the, prince, the amount you owe goes down a little tiny bit. And a reverse mortgage, let's say you own your home free and clear and it's a $200,000 house. Let's say that's the value, okay, which would be very low today. The mortgage company will say, all right, we're going to give you a certain percentage of the value of that house right now as cash. And then you're going to, at the end of this time period, usually when the person passes on, um, the house will, the property will be ours and then we'll be able to sell it. Okay. Um, something like that, reverse mortgages, the mortgage company sometimes will give the homeowner all of the money up front. They will pay them money every month so they have something to live on. So there are different options available to homeowners. Okay. But it, you know, it's a very personal decision, and I always instruct everyone to, uh, if they ask me questions like this, I stay in my lane. I know real estate. I know there are a lot of other options out there that many consumers are not aware of. So the whole purpose of this show is to share those with uh, the average consumer, share those ideas and that information. Um, but this is something that could be a, a boon to people because if you, if you have a house that's, let's say, has a $500,000 house and you do a reverse mortgage and you can get $375,000, okay, and they break that out so it gives you money every month and you don't have a lot of expenses. You just basically need to pay your taxes and uh, your property taxes and then food and other insurances and whatnot, okay. Maybe you can live on $1,500 a month, okay. If you do the math, three seventy-five divided by 1.5, that's a lot of years, Okay. Hopefully, you, have, you would have other savings as well. Okay. So, there are options out there for folks. Options out there for folks. And, you know, a lot of times today, because of the Great Recession, people are in situations where they don't have a lot of money left. Some folks don't even, they don't have a house anymore. 
you have senior citizens that had to sell their house. Um, so many times folks feel overwhelmed and uh, that they don't have any options, okay? And, you know, one of the, if you do own a home or you want to get, you want to have fixed expenses, even at a later stage in life, it makes sense, especially now with interest rates so low, to buy a home because your housing cost will remain fixed for 30 years. If you're renting an apartment or a house, your housing cost is most certainly not going to remain fixed for 30 years. Okay, your rent is going to go up because the property taxes will go up. Insurance will go up that the landlord has to pay. Maintenance will go up. Okay, when you own your own home, you only have to pay for the increases in those other items. Your mortgage payment will stay the same. And many times today, the mortgage payment is less than what comparable rent would be. Okay, you know, believe it or not. $2,000 a month, $1,500 a month, that's not a lot of rent. That's not a lot of money to pay every month in rent. Okay. Routinely, when you you look at people that are looking to rent a house, $3,000 a month, $4,000 a month. That's a big number. Okay. That's a big number. So if you are retirement age or more and you're thinking about refinancing or thinking about buying a home, It's not too late. You should consult with, if you want to buy a home, you should consult with an experienced realtor, like, of course, yours truly. My number is uh, 401-232-4300. My cell phone is 401-580-9797. That's 580-9797. And uh, I'll answer any questions that you have about buying a home or selling your home. Okay, some folks... Now, it's like, well, my house is too big. I really would like to sell it and downsize. This would be, would be a great time to do that. Okay. It's not a really, it's a tough time to sell a home and buy a similarly sized home and expect to save money from the sale of the first home. It's tough to do that now. All right. If you have questions or you're thinking about doing something to cash out or refinance your home in some, for some reason... Uh, you could also give me a call at 401-580-9797, and I will refer you to the appropriate expert who can help you out. You know, we have relationships, uh, the Luca and Murano team at REMAX Preferred. We have relationships with attorneys, with accountants, with elder law attorneys, um, folks who specialize in these types of services, okay, financial advisors. And because one thing you want to do is you don't want to make a mistake that could be costly in the in your senior years, your retirement years. All right. Now, we were just talking about at the top of the show rates of uh, equity accumulation in the state of Rhode Island. And uh, the past three months, we observed that the percentage that homes increased in value declined every month. Minimally, but it's going down. That's a good thing. All right. Now, nationwide, home appreciation also occurred at a slower pace. Now, the most recent data that we have for the entire country is from September. Um, and the numbers are, uh, the, it's called the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 
20-city price index. All right, that showed a 19.1% year-over-year gain in September, which is still very significant. That's a big increase in uh, home values. But it was down from the previous month, which was 19.6% increase year-over-year. Okay. That's a 0.5% decline in one month. Okay. That's, that's big. It's good. It's not bad because 19.5% increases, increases in the home values every year is, is not good. All right. Just for a little perspective, the city of Phoenix led the country in terms of uh, home price growth over 33%. 33% increase in home values in the city of Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Um, that's huge. I mean, that's almost like speculation numbers where folks are just driving numbers up. All right. Um, one thing that we know for sure is that uh, COVID concerns, while they'll keep some sellers out of the market, um, it's not going to keep everyone out of the market. Okay. And we saw that because throughout COVID, most realtors who weren't sitting at home eating bonbons on the couch and watching Netflix all day, most realtors were busy, busy as heck. All right. Um, so even though there are some mar- sellers who are going to stay out of the market because of COVID, they're going to be, have health concerns. There are going to be other sellers who will come back into the market because prices are going to be, they're going to remain high. All right, we're not looking at declines in prices. So some folks are going to be like, you know what? My last kid's out of the house. I'm going to sell the house and downsize. All right, I'm going to buy a condo. I'm going to buy a ranch. I'm going to move out of state to someplace warm. Move where my kid's got a job. Okay. Um, other folks are thinking about, you know, selling their homes if they own them and uh, buying something else before interest rates start increasing. Because they are going to increase, but... Is it going? Do you want to sell your house and refinance it to a new house when rates are a quarter of a point higher, a half a point higher, or three quarters of a point higher? Over the term of the loan, that could make a big difference. Okay, so there are a lot of different reasons why uh, the pace for um, the, the the slowing of home price growth. There are a lot of different reasons that it's happening, and there are a lot of reasons why it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Okay. Um, Next, I want to talk a little bit more about folks buying homes. Okay. You know, home buyers, uh, I love, you've heard me say this before, I love working with home buyers, especially first-time home buyers, because it's so rewarding. You know, you have a young couple, an older couple, um, immigrant couple, buying a home for the first time. It's just, I get a charge out of it. It's uh, really, really rewarding um, because they're participating in the American dream. And you're making the transition from basically from paying the landlord's mortgage to paying your own mortgage. doesn't matter if you're 25 or 55 or 65 and buying your first home. It's still a, an awesome, awesome first step and it's great because it will, um, it's a great step for your family's financial well-being down the road. Okay, home ownership. We're very blessed in this country that we have a 30-year mortgage so more people are able to afford a home. But not everyone 
can get a mortgage today because probably half, 50% of all consumers have either slow credit, no credit, or bad credit. And what does that mean? So let's say you give John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team at Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, you give them a call and you apply for a mortgage on, you know, they have one of their apps on your phone where you can go right to their website and apply for the mortgage. And they say, ah, you know what? We can't give you a mortgage just yet. Your credit score is a little bit too low. Okay. Now, just for a little bit of perspective, um, perfect credit is 850 okay 850 and then you have excellent credit if your credit score is 760 to 849 700 to 759 is good credit a fair score would be 650 to 699 649 and below that's considered a low score now many times folks can still get a mortgage if you have a fico score that's in the 635, 640 price range. It's more challenging. They're going to be, you have to be, if your credit is low, hopefully you have good income because that's going to have to offset the low credit score. Even better if you have a decent amount of money to put down as your deposit or your EMD, your earnest money deposit. We'll get back to that in a minute. So what happens? You find out that, oh, I can't get a mortgage right now. Well, relax, because it doesn't mean you're never going to get a mortgage. This is something that is manageable. You can change your credit score. If you have a 550 right now, which I think is what, well, it's a very low score, but it's not the lowest score. Um, if you have a 550, you, there are things that you can do to improve your credit and start increasing your FICO score. One of the things is look and get a copy of your credit report and see what, if there are any errors on it. All right. Simple to identify an error. If it's like a credit card that's not yours that uh, keeps showing up on your credit, you can get that corrected within 30 to 60 days. If it's an error on one of your accounts, that may take a little bit longer. But, again, they have to get back to you from when you dispute it within 30 days. So if it's you say, oh, that's not my account or I never owed that much money, and they say, yes, you did, then you have to basically prove your case. Okay. Um, depending on the amount of back and forth, it could be 30 to 60 to 90 days. Uh, sometimes it can take a little bit longer. But there are things, little steps like that can make a difference. All right. Some folks don't, they have bad credit, but the reason they have bad credit is because they don't have enough credit history. So that's easy. You know, you go and you start applying for credit. Get a gas credit card. Get a secured visa or a MasterCard. All right. So bad credit or the fact that you are you aren't financeable is probably a better way to describe it. Maybe you just have what's referred to as thin credit. All right, You haven't shown a track record to demonstrate that you can borrow money and then pay it back and pay the money, the, the payments, make the payments every month. Okay. 
Um, so as I said, you can get a secured card, you can try and get a store charge, you can try and get uh, a gas card, but you don't want to apply for too many all at once because that will make your credit go down even more. All right. Ideally, you want to get something, charge a little bit, pay it off. Charge a little bit, pay it off. So you don't want to charge too much. So let's say you something like I, like I said, a gas card or you get a credit card and you charge your groceries. Well, you have money for groceries, so you charge your $100 on your groceries on your card and then the next day you pay it off or the next month at the very least. But you want to pay it down so you don't start to accumulate debt. Okay. Now, something else that, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, I have credit. I've got $1,000 of credit. So they will quickly charge up $900 of charges. Well, that's okay. As long as within a month or two, you're going to get that $900 down below $350. You don't want to use what's called your credit utilization ratio. You don't want to use all of the credit you have and have it continuously utilized with a high balance. You want to use a credit card, manage it, pay it down, pay it down. Okay. Ideally, you don't want to go up. You, if you go up above 50% of credit utilization, the next month, pay it down. Get it down to that 30%. Okay. And then make payments every month on time. Don't pay, don't let your bills get, uh, don't allow your bills to be paid 30 days late. Now, many times what happens is it, it's due on the 15th and you pay it on the 16th. It's not going to report to your credit report that it's late, but you may get hit with a $25 or $50 late fee that gets added on to your principal balance. Those are the things that really can sock it to you and make it difficult to pay down your bills. So you really have to stay on top of those. Okay. Um, you know, something else you want to really try and do is uh, delinquent accounts. Now, if you get a copy of your credit report, and you can get one, once a year, you can get a free copy of your credit report. Um, you need to see if you have accounts that are in collections. Now, this is something you want to pay attention to, folks, because it doesn't always, it's not always advisable to pay those off. Timing when buying a home, timing is very important. Okay. You go under contract when you buy a home, there are dates by which things have to happen. If you have a collection account that's been in collections for four years and was charged off, and you see it, and then you go and pay it off now, that becomes a current charge, okay? And what happens is that will re-age the account, and so now it becomes, comes to the front of your, pile, your file again. So before you do anything like this, you, that's why it's very important to reach out to John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team at Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, 401-321-4401. Mention my name, Joe Luca. Because you want to ask them, is this something, John, that you would advise me 
to do to pay off this collection account from when I was in college or from when I was unemployed or from when I got a divorce or from when I had a lot of electric bills. Before you do anything, whether it's applying for credit or paying off old collections or delinquencies, talk to your lender. Sometimes it's better just to leave it in the past and then you pay it off after you close on your home. After you own your home. Because then you can pay it off and your credit will take a hit, but you already have your mortgage. And then you just work on building your credit back up again. Otherwise, that's going to stay on your credit for another seven years. And that will, inhib- that will prohibit you from, and many times, from getting a mortgage. So wait until after you close and you have your mortgage. But the best thing to do is talk to John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team at Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, 401-321-4401. And they will give you the most correct information so that you can qualify for a mortgage and they can give you a pre-approval. All right. So now, how long does this process take? You know, sometimes you can, it depends again, what it is that's making your credit score low and two, um, how many items are doing that? Okay. So if it's thin credit, that's a kind of a quick fix. Um, if it's too much debt, that may be a fixed quick fix. You just pay down some of the, you know, pay off some of those credit cards. Um, if it's delinquencies, collections, and there are multiple, lots of those, and they're all very current. That's probably a little bit longer. And what you may want to do is, again, talk to John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team, 401-321-4401. And they'll give you the information um, as to what you should do. And maybe you start off, all right, you know, jeepers, I'm not going to be able to afford uh, a $400,000 mortgage based on my credit profile. The payments would be too high. But maybe if I bought a $300,000 house, uh, it would be something that I could qualify for, that I would, John would be able to give me a pre-approval for a lower amount. And you start off there because, again, even if you're not getting everything you want, you can't live in as big a house, you can't have the two-car garage, you can't have a big yard, you can't be in the fancy neighborhood, paying your own mortgage is better than paying someone else's. Okay. Folks, you're listening to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show right here on WNRI 99.9 on the FM dial, 1380 AM, WNRI.com, Facebook Live, lots of different ways to check out the show. And uh, because we're here for you, the consumer, to help you learn about buying a home. Get yourself ready to sell a home. Okay? So repairing credit can be quick, can take a little bit longer. But whatever the answer is, it makes sense to start the process. Because you start the process, then you call me, your humble host, Joe Luca from the Luca Morano team, 401-580-9797. That's my personal number. The team number is 401-232-4300. And then we can start looking for a home for you. Okay. We can start that process. Because then you find the house, put an offer in, we negotiate it out, we get the terms, the price down, 
Now you're on your way to becoming a homeowner. Go to the closing. Anthony Betancourt, Beacon Title and Escrow, explains every page of the closing docs that you sign, what the closing doc is, okay, the settlement sheet, what all those numbers mean, and then the mortgage, and then the promissory note, what all those pages are that you're signing and initialing. Anthony Betancourt explains everything to our buyers. When you're on the seller side, he does the same thing for you, too. Goes over that closing doc, that settlement sheet, before you sign it so you know what those numbers mean. And then, of course, you're going to give GMET's Moving and Storage, 401-383-6399. You're going to give them a call because they're the best movers in southern New England. That's GMET's. Moving and storage. George Metz, he, uh, I've said this many times before, a friend of mine, we were in uh, BNI together, and um, they do a great job. Moved my family twice, moved uh, Dawn. You know, when they moved Dawn, my partner, her moving fees were so much less. There were, the time before, she had used a different company, and she couldn't believe it, and they did a better job. All right, 401-383-6399. That's G-Mets Moving and Storage. They'll move you from point A to point B. They'll move your furniture from one side of the house to another. They'll even move your furniture out of your house, store it so you can have work done in your house, and then bring it back. But you have to give them a call at 401-383-6399. And, of course, mention the Joe Luca Real Estate Show, and I would appreciate that. Okay? I would appreciate that. But, you know, these are the things that build up the anticipation when you're looking for a home, you want to get to that point where you're ready to call the movers and then they come and they take care of everything for you and then you move into your new home that you own and all you have to do is unpack your luggage and your clothing and put it in your bureaus. You don't have to worry about how tired you're going to be the next day from moving yourself in. You don't have to worry about anyone who may or may not have gotten hurt lifting up heavy pieces of furniture. You don't have to worry about someone losing their grip and the furniture falls out of their hands and down on the ground and splits or chips the uh, tile or breaks, you know, damages the hardwood floors. When you hire GMAT's moving and storage, you don't have worries. Anything happens, they're, they're insured. They're insured. Okay. So they are the number one guys to look at when you're Preparing to move from your old home to your new home. 401-383-6399. Okay. Now, you have your credit up to the point. John can give you a pre-approval letter. And one of the things when you submit an offer that you have to do is you have to have a deposit. Okay. A deposit goes towards the down payment also referred to as EMD, Earnest Money Deposit, EMD for short. And essentially, this is, this is money that comes out of your pocket as the buyer, and it reduces the amount of your mortgage. All right. Now, a lot of times, home buyers find a home that they love, and they want to buy it uh, and put an offer in. And the question is, all right, Joe, you're my realtor. How much money should I put down as a down payment? as a deposit. Well, you have to put down a minimum for it to be a binding contract. So what I usually do is I say, all right, with the offer, let's put down $1,000. 
And then after the offer is accepted, then we put down several thousand more. Now, if you're a VA buyer or it's a USDA loan, the answer to that question is zero. So you may just put down a $100 deposit because those are 100% financing uh, loans. But a lot of times folks want to determine what is quote-unquote normal. What's a normal amount? That all depends, all right? But usually 1% to 2%, sometimes 3 or 4%. Um, you know, if you're – because when you're putting this money down in the beginning, sometimes you still have to bring more money to the closing. And the reasons for that would be, let's say you are getting a conventional mortgage, okay? A conventional mortgage is a mortgage that's not an FHA. It's not a VA. It's not a, US, it's not a USDA. It's not a Freddie Mac it's a mortgage where you have a bigger down payment. So if you put, let's say, that 2% down with your offer, then you would have to bring another 8 to 18% at closing with a conventional mortgage. Now, if it's a, an FHA mortgage, which is a 3.5% down, those numbers are obviously much lower. You could put the 3.5% down up front. You could put half down up front, another half down at the closing table. Uh, it's generally better if in you know where we are in our economy right now and how competitive it is. If you can put your best foot forward with a sizable down payment, many times that makes the difference between having your offer accepted and not. Because sellers will look at the strength of the buyer... By the size of their deposit. Now, this can be a challenge for realtors who aren't experienced at negotiating when you have a buyer who's using a mortgage that's 100% financing, like a USDA or a VA mortgage. All right, then it's incumbent upon the realtor who represents the buyer to negotiate on the buyer's half and convince the listing agent and the seller that, look, this is a great mortgage, this is a great buyer. Here's his or her history. Okay. So the amount of the deposit, the EMD, your down payment, it can fluctuate depending on the type of mortgage you have and depending on how much money you have. Okay. Now, sometimes sellers are asked to pay the buyer's closing costs. Well, what does that mean? Why should I, as a seller, pay your, your costs? Well, many times that's done in the case of a VA loan so that the, the buyer doesn't have to put any money down. Other times it's done in the case of many FHA loans so that the buyer has to put down less money and maybe can hold on to a little bit more of their cash so they can use it to make improvements to the house after they move in. Now, what that means is, okay, you're buying a house, and let's say the house is a $350,000 sales price. Well, they want the seller to pay $5,000 of their closing costs, and the seller's like, well, I want my $350,000. So then the sales price would be $355,000, and then the seller would get their $350,000, and the extra $5,000 would go back to the buyer. But the buyer's mortgage would be $355,000, even though they only paid $350,000 for the house. Are you with me? This can get a little bit confusing. 
Um, and it usually happens with FHA and uh, VA and Rhode Island housing mortgages or, or mass housing mortgages. Because a lot of times these folks, they need to conserve or preserve their cash so that they can make changes, repairs, upgrades to the house after they move in. Sometimes, and this happened with one of our listings, uh, Dawn and I sold the house and it was $350,000 and the buyer wanted the seller to pay $5,000 of closing costs. So the sales price was three fifty-five. dollars the seller would get her three fifty, and then the buyer would get the five thousand for the closing costs credit. But what happened is the house only appraised for three fifty. So the seller was like, "Well, I'm not lowering my price. I want my three fifty. My house is worth the three fifty, which yours truly and Don Morano we had uh, valued the house at the three fifty. So the buyer had to come up with their own closing costs or another another op- option so that they could uh, preserve their capital, okay? So sometimes it doesn't work out the way everyone wants it to. But again, that's why it's worth working with a, an experienced and knowledgeable realtor because we know how to negotiate. We know how to negotiate on your behalf, Okay. Now, home buyers. Who are home buyers today? Who are the folks that are buying home buyers? Well, this past year, first-time home buyers made up, believe it or not, 34% of all home buyers. The year before, it was 31%. Okay. The typical first-time home buyer is 33 years old. And now, you've heard me, if you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about uh, the purchasing pocket. Most people buy their first home between the ages of 30 and 35 years old. And this past year, first-time buyer, the typical first-time home buyer was 33. The typical repeat buyer, so someone who was upgrading, okay, they bought their house number one. Now they're selling house number one, buying house number two. That's an all-time high of 56 years old. So repeat home buyers are waiting a little bit longer to buy their second home or third or fourth. 11% of home buyers purchase a what's called a multi-generational home because they're taking care of aging parents. So they have something with, the, with an in-law apartment or an accessory dwelling unit. Sometimes they do that so adult children can move back home. All right. And then rounding it out, 14% of home buyers were veterans and 3% were active duty military. Okay. When just a little bit of information on the types of homes that were purchased, what were some of the characteristics of these homes that were purchased? Most buyers who purchased new homes were looking to avoid renovations and problems with plumbing. So they, were, they wanted to just move in, drop their bags and be done. Okay. That was 36%. Buyers who purchased previously owned homes were most looking to get a better value overall, and that was 38%. Okay. Buyers typically paid 100% of asking price. 29% of all buyers paid more than asking price. 
typical home was uh, 1,900 square feet. And, folks, this is nationwide. These are nationwide numbers. So 1,900 square feet for home, three beds and two baths. All right. And the average home or the typical, the most common home that was purchased was built in 1993. Things that people look for when buying a home, they want to be conveniently located next to family and friends. Uh, the next uh, important factor in influencing their neighborhood choice um, was the quality of the neighborhood. Okay. So these are the things that buyers, the types of buyers who bought homes, and these are the things that they look for when buying homes. So if you're thinking about selling a home, give the Luca and Murano team a call, 401-232-4300, because, you know, we know what buyers are looking for. Don and I are always researching, researching, looking to determine what buyers are looking for, because if I know what buyers are looking for, now I can tell you, okay, Mr. or Miss Home Seller, we need to make your house appeal to these folks. Now, what does that mean? Do you have to do all kinds of work for them? No. But sometimes there are things that can be done so that your house is more attractive. The number one thing is curb appeal. The house has to be attractive when they drive by. Or better yet, when they're looking at that little one inch by one inch picture on their phone. As they pull it up on riliving.com or uh, one of, you know, remax.com. Okay. You want your home to pop. And a lot of times, getting it to pop doesn't take a lot of money. That curb appeal. We know what will make it pop to those home buyers, that 34% of home buyers who were first time home buyers, who were in that purchasing pocket of 30 to 35 years old. We have that information. We can coach you on how to prepare your home so it will sell to those types of buyers. We know what repeat home buyers are looking for in a home. Okay? Not all buyers are looking for the same thing. You know, back in the day when you were doing a comparable market analysis and you're looking to sell a raised ranch, you would only compare your home to other raised ranches. But now, folks, they don't. Sometimes they'll say, well, I'll look at any house except a cape, except a raised ranch, except whatever it is, except a contemporary. But most times, folks are just like, look, I need three beds, two baths with a two-car garage. And it has to be in this town. And then you look around and that's what you compare. Okay. Now, of course, there are different parts of town. You can't compare a house that was built in 1932 that has deferred maintenance to a house that was built in 1992 that's in pristine shape or vice versa. People are less concerned with the architectural styles, generally speaking, than they are with the usability of the home, the functionality of the home. Okay? And that's why it makes sense to work with a realtor when you're buying a home. All right? Of course, you're listening to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. I'm Joe Luca with the Luca and Murano team at REMAX Preferred. 
And we'd love for you to give us a call, 401-232-4300. And we will answer any questions that you have about buying or selling a home. How to prepare your home for sale. There are things that can be done. A lot of times folks say, Joe, should I bother putting my house on the market in the winter? Well, when in the winter? Sometimes you don't want to put your house on the market the week of Christmas. But we can do a lot of preparing. We can take pictures. Take, you know, We have our professional photographer go in and take pictures of your home. Show it at its best. There are things that can be done to help you maximize the value you receive when you sell your home. All right? But you've got to give us a call, the Luca and Murano team, 401-232-4300. And again, call. It doesn't cost anything to talk to us. We'll meet with you. You can come into our office. We'll give you all the information. I'll send it to you. All right. Um, you know, of course, we have the spin top signed. We are the only realtors who have it. We have the uh, the exclusive distributors of the spin top sign. This is a sign that announces to the world that your home is for sale. Because not only is it just a yard sign, a pole with your board sign saying for sale, it also has a cylinder on the top of the sign that has interior pictures of the house, has data on the house, the MLS information on the house, has Information so you can go and get pre-approved for a mortgage. All when you're driving by the home, you have access to this information. And it lights up at night. It has a solar panel on the top. So at night, people driving by are going to see that your home is for sale. If it's just a regular board sign in the yard, they're not going to see your home. But with a spin top sign, they will see it. Okay. So, folks, I want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. We're coming up to the end of the show. Uh, we're very blessed to uh, have you folks listening. I'm very fortunate that I've been on the show coming up, wrapping up my seventh year. Really happy about that. Um, I'm very grateful to all of my listeners who have called and chosen to help me buy, help, have me help them buy a home and sell their home. We're very appreciative of that. Um, and yeah, keep listening. And if you have questions, things that you want to ask, please don't hesitate to reach out on Facebook because, uh, I'm here for you. I can answer any questions that you have, but, uh, just reach out on Facebook and then I will answer them for you. And of course, if we're not Facebook friends, become my friend. Next up, we have the old time preaching ministry with Rick Mernier starting up in just a few minutes. We will be back. So everyone, please take care. Have a safe, great week and I'll be back. Take care. Bye-bye.
This is WNRI One Socket.